What's happening, weirdos? This is the incredible Zach Braff. He is uh, back. Zach back? No. No, no, delete this. I I already regret this. Zach, Zach Braff is here. Do I call him Braffy Taffy? Yes. Has he done the show before? Yes. Is this incredible and even better than the first one? Yes. He's in a new movie. It's called Cheaper by the Dozen, uh, which is a remake, and it's on Disney Plus, and you can stream it now. It's hilarious. It's a family comedy, which is, you know, sort of hard to come by, and a funny one at that, and you need to check it out. So check it out. Cheaper by the Dozen. I, I abbreviated it's dozen, but you know if you if you put into Siri cheaper by the does, you'll get there. A couple things to plug up top before we get to it. Uh, my next Largo show is this Friday, uh, March twenty fifth. It is going to be incredible. Uh, I don't know if I can say who's on the show, but let's just say some of the biggest guests we've ever had. Question mark. It's huge. It's going to be awesome. Uh, tickets are at Largo-LA.com. That is the only uh, stand-up date I have right now. Actually, I think I have the April date. Um, let me check real quick. Let me check real quick. Found it. April 22, uh, 22nd. So if you come, if whenever you hear this, April 22nd, 2022 is the, the one after this, or this Friday, March 25th, 2022. What is this, a time capsule? Anyway, those are always awesome. Largo-LA.com for tickets. And this is very apropos, uh, these these Pete's Picks this week, because Zach and I, as we are wont to do, talk a lot about well-being, uh, mental health, the things that help us feel better uh, when we need help. And all three of uh, the Pete's Picks today are those exact products, my number ones that make me feel fantastic. First and foremost, this is a newer Pete's Pick uh, on the show, but has been a huge part of my life for the past six months, is my cold plunge. You guys know I can't stop talking about my cold plunge, and I just used it this afternoon. It is the best part of my day and has literally improved every area of my life. I did a lot of research. This is the best one by far at thecoldplunge.com. There are other ones that look like coffins. (laughs) This does not look like a coffin. It is a beautiful addition to our backyard. We keep it outside, which is such a nice feature. You can also keep it inside. It looks great by a pool. But in our case, we just have a little backyard. Looks great by an orange tree. It's sleek. It's a beautiful, white, clean tub, like clean lines. It's a nice accent piece, doesn't take up too much space, and only costs about a dollar a day to maintain and keep that water really, really cold. I keep mine at 39 degrees, which is incredible uh, (laughs) that I'm even saying that. But the coolest thing about cold uh, exposure training is it gets easier and easier. The first time I used it, I had it set to 60 and I thought it was really, really cold. The next day, it didn't feel cold. And by this point in my training or, or, or my use of the cold plunge, I am now getting in and it doesn't even register as cold. I know that doesn't make sense. It just feels like life and vitality. Val and I joke that when we get in, we hear, I, I feel so alive. It, it just feels incredible. It, it doesn't literally do this, but it makes it feel like your blood goes the opposite direction, meaning, metaphorically, it feels like a reset to your day. In fact, it's the only thing I've found in my life that can turn a bad day around in just three minutes. If you're having one of those days, you just can't figure it out. 
You're, you're feeling low. You're feeling angry. You're feeling pinched. You can't work. You can't focus. Jump in the cold plunge three minutes later. Boom. It's like you just slept for 12 hours. I, I really mean that so sincerely. Helps my mood. Helps my creativity. It's improved my sleep. And it gives you just a high. It gives you an incredible high that I've timed it. Lasts for about four to six hours. It's like a glowing tingling secret joy that I feel in my face, my head, and my chest, especially when I was shooting How We Roll. Uh, It was awesome to do in the morning, and it lasted the entire day. It also speeds up your metabolism. It also helps you start your day by being decisive, doing something, uh, and committing to it. It feels like a forced meditation, meaning when you're sitting and meditating, it's so easy to give up. But in the cold plunge, you're motivated to regulate your breathing. You're motivated to bring your brain, uh, your mind to a single point so you can sink into it and enjoy it. And before you know it, you're smiling and the timer's going off. It's just a noticeable improvement, even in two sessions, as I said, and now I love it. I I literally, if Val and I are on the road, it's the first thing I miss because I started with cold showers, but once you get into that really cold water, you crave it. You crave it and you love it. It's the perfect way to start the day and sometimes I even do it at night to calm down and to wind down, clear my mind. It is the best thing I found to let my body solve what my mind can't. So if you're into the Wim Hof method or you just want a shortcut to a happier, healthier you with that tingle, with that high into your day, go to thecoldplunge.com and use promo code WEIRD and you'll get $150 off and show your support of this podcast. That's thecoldplunge.com. Use promo code WEIRD at checkout for $150 off and show your support of the show. And please, if you run into me, come to a show, let me know how you're loving uh, your plunge because if there's one thing I always want to talk about, it's cold plunging. It's, I mean, ask Val. I can't, I can't stop. Secondly, this product has absolutely changed my mind for real, for real. It's Magic Mind. It's the world's first productivity drink. Uh, I, I was recently, recently watching The Witcher, and uh, I like The Witcher. He takes out these little elixirs, and he drinks them before he fights monsters. Uh, that's sort of how I feel about Magic Mind. Except monsters, instead of a monster, it's a script I'm trying to write, it's a podcast I'm trying to do, or it's a book I'm trying to finish, or whatever it might be, it is a productivity drink. It's not just caffeine, it's got 12 functional ingredients, including matcha, nootropics that make you focus, and adaptogens that help you fight off stress. But it's just this wee, it's this wee little bottle. It's like one gulp. You shoot it down. I drink it in the morning with my tea. I'm off coffee. I'm completely off coffee. I have my tea. I have my magic mind because I noticed that when I drank, when I was drinking coffee, I noticed my, my fists would just be clenched for no reason. My jaw would be tight for no reason. And I was experiencing a lot of anxiety. And as soon as I cut it out, I noticed that went away. But I also fo- noticed that it was harder to focus and, and to get things done. So Magic Mind swooped in. The beautiful, magical elixir that it, that it is helps you focus better on your work, be more creative, and drink less coffee. Uh, it shows Studies show that you get 30% more done on average, five to seven hours of 30% more productivity after drinking, created day, to be taken daily for a sharper mind, steady energy, immune support, and less stress. Uh, it's geared towards creators, entrepreneurs, and freelancers. Athletes have Gatorade. This is like Creatorade. Creatorade! Come on. 
Don't expect wired. It's not like a jittery, wired feeling. It's a dialed in. It helps you get into the flow state, especially after three to seven days of continuous use. It's way easier to get into that flow where you're just in the pocket, time is flying, and your work is getting done. So ward off procrastination, get rid of brain fog and fatigue, even some ADD symptoms. You will fall in love. Try it for 15 to 30 minutes before recording or producing uh, a podcast like this, or writing, or just going out, or just doing your work. Whatever needs, I whatever your needs are, I promise it will help your brain kick some butt. And there's a money back guarantee. So if your first purchase doesn't meet your expectations, which I highly doubt it, you will be refunded. No questions asked if it doesn't meet your wildest dreams. I actually have a special offer. For weirdos from the guys at Magic Mind, all you have to do is go to www.magicmind.co slash weird and use my discount code at checkout weird to get a limited 20% off your first order. That's magicmind.co. Who has time for .com these days? Come on, get with it. Magicmind.co slash weird. Use discount code weird at checkout to get 20% off. I swear, both Val, myself... I got the writers at How We Roll on it. Uh, so many of my creative friends have completely swapped over to it. It is a total game change. So give it a try and show your support of this podcast. Last but not least, talking about mental health, talking about productivity, talk about meditation, talk about anxiety. Nothing has helped quite as much as Apollo Neuro. Apollo Neuro is a new wearable tech that helps your body recover from stress using uh, touch therapy. It's like a gentle subperceptual vibration directly into the inside of my wrist. Belle wears hers on her ankle. It's like a wearable hug for your nervous system that can help you relax, sleep, focus, and be more productive. It, it's those gentle, soothing vibrations that is basically like a wearable hug that trains your nervous system to recover and rebalance after stress. This is the thing. If Val and I are going on a trip to the beach and we forgot it, we'll drive back. Like, you, I need it. I absolutely need it. It's become an essential part of my morning. Not even to put it on because I sleep with it. I sleep with it on the sleep and renew setting. That's what lulls me to sleep. If you've ever had somebody tapping on you and then they slow it down and then they, they slow it down and then they slow it down and that makes you sleepy, that's sort of, that'll give you a vague idea of what the Apollo is doing. It's lulling you into sleep. And if that's all it did, if it was a magical bracelet or anklet that helped you fall asleep, it would be incredible. But no, it can also help you wake up without caffeine, without anything. Boom, before I uh, work out in the morning, I put on energy and wake up. After my workout, I put on Rebuild and Recover. Rebuild and Recover is also amazing after stressful situations, so I find myself using it a lot. Social and Open, just this past weekend, uh, I had a little birthday picnic. It's my birthday on the 30th, and boy, an hour beforehand, I'll put it on Social and Open, and by the time I'm at the party, and I keep it running at the party, I just feel myself exactly what it promises. I feel more engaged. I feel less anxious. When I'm writing, I put on clear and focused. When I'm recording this podcast, it's on clear and focused. Helps me get into that pocket. And meditation and mindfulness, unbelievable. If it only did that, I would swear by it because it helps me meditate way deeper than I have in years. It's like it meditates for you. My joke was, is this thing meditating for me? Uh, it just helps you relax 
and unwind, which is also a setting, which is also what I put on every night. It's like finding the fuse box to your body. And it's a wonderful feeling when you're in a situation and you feel your body getting away from you and you just, you go into the app, you pick the setting that you need and knowing that you have this wearable tech ally to help you get into the state you want to be in, it's unbelievable. There's no going back. It actually trains the nervous system to cope with stress better over time. So the more you use it, the better it works. And it was developed, I always say, it's not a woo-woo. It's not like a, a magic crystal or a mood ring. It was developed by a neuroscientist and a board-certified psychiatrist who have been studying the impacts of chronic stress in humans for nearly 15 years. And the effects on stress, sleep, cognitive performance, and recovery have been proven in multiple clinical trials and real-world studies. And there are always more on the way. I really think wearable tech is going to be a huge part of our future, and the Apollo is already a part of my present. So try it. If you love it one-tenth as much as I do, you're going to blow your mind, and you'll get 10% off at apolloneuro.com slash weird. That's A-P-O-L-L-O-N-E-U-R-O dot com slash weird, and you'll get 10% off and show your support of this podcast. They actually have new ones now that are white. Uh, Val just bought a second one because she likes the white one so much. I mean, so they even look cool. Come on, come on, get into it. Get into it. All right, everybody, enjoy the return of Zach Braff. Boy, I loved uh, chatting with my friend once again. Check out his movie, Cheaper by the Dozen. Hope to see you at Largo this Friday or on April 22nd. And in the meantime, enjoy this chat. Get into it. Then we're off to the races. Hi. I've never done anyone's podcast twice, but I just like you so much. I like that very much. Can you not even believe, like when we did the first podcast, we were like, hey, man, when this whole thing is done, right? Right. We're like, let's hang out. Let's see each other. And here we are zooming it again. Zooming it again. I feel like we're coming out of it, right? But just in time, we're going into a World War III. So I'm just going to hide out in my same same room and Zoom everybody anyway. (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, no. I hope that's not. I I have a friend. I have a neighbor friend who actually has an old school bunker, like, from World War II uh, 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 as a part of his house. And he's like, I really got to find out if there's a... um, uh, an air filtration company that updates the uh, system from World War from World War Two to now. <laughs> you don't want to be breathing World War Two air. You want to be breathing that. You no, but I the do, molecule. I just mean. Uh, I just mean like his um, his system is. You, you know, it, it's antiquated. It's World War Two. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. And we have better canned food now. I'm imagining. I'm I'm in my garage. I have uh, like the Mormons, my my Latter Day Saint friends. Did you know the Latter Day Saints always keep? Uh, I believe it's a year's worth of food. Why? That's just like an edict of of the faith, uh, because things could go goofy, and they're all. Uh, this is my guess: is they're all about like family and propagation of uh, you know staying alive and staying good. Right. This is just good and common got, sense. And you got all those so you kids. Can, you can't have all those kids. You know, not eating. That's true. I mean, there's lots of them and it's a communal thing. So in the Latter-day Saint style, I called a company called, uh, now I'll plug something, Earthquake Solutions, I'm pretty sure, because I was at Judd Apatow's house and I saw he had these boxes of food. I said, where did you get these? He said, Earthquake Solutions. I called them. I was expecting 
you know, I, sometimes I'll call Judd uh, for, for the rich guy recommendation. I'll say, tell me what the rich people, what are the rich doing? And he's like, earthquake solutions. So I call <laughs> earthquake And two, Zach, you would love these women in one of your upcoming films. They looked exactly, not, not at all what you'd expect. They, they're sort, I say this with love, sort of matronly, very like church. They were church ladies. They're Armageddon prep people. They're not like... They're like there to uh, read Revelation to you and also give you. Oh, you got you got a bad you got a bad company. I I I um. <laughs> you got a good one. <laughs> well, I I'm I got I became a bit of a um, survivalist um, just in having you know we you know earthquakes what have you. I got the food for thirty days. I got. Um, a, a, I think it's a 50 gallon jug of water. I think I'm supposed to, that every five years you're supposed to replace. Uh, I think I'm due. That's where um, I'm at too. I'm due too. Can you please? <laughs> Two paranoid comedians. I know. And one's Mormon and one's Jewish. Is this not a good sitcom? <laughs> um, you, um, <laughs> they, they sell you the 50, 80, is it fucking 50 gallon. It's the, it's the size of a, of a giant. It, no, it's I got him. I got okay. him. And then you put a you pill the in covering? there. I got the covering. You put a pill in it. That the pill keeps the this little pill the size of a aspirin. Apparently, keeps the water good for five years, and then you're supposed to replace it and do it again. But um, you know, um, first aid kits. Well, you know, we live in L.A., and 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 the big one could come at any moment. And I I started. I have a friend of a friend who the only time I see him, he's a mega survivalist guy. And, every, and the only small, you know, you have those people in your life who are like, oh, I only see that guy like twice a year. And, and I know the go-to small talk with him is, is X, Y, Z topic. Well, so, with him, I know it's survivalism. So I'm always like, what's the new thing that, that I need? And, and I was going to sell my motorcycle. And I live in the Hollywood Hills. And I was going to sell my motorcycle just because I was, I, was, I was feeling like, you know, I don't, uh, it's time. And he said, that's the dumbest thing you could do. The only way you're going to get out, if there's a big one hits, the only way you're getting out of the Hollywood Hills and, 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 and out of LA is on that motorcycle. So I kept the motorcycle. That is interesting. I mean, it not only looks cool, like you'll look really cool. I'm assuming with a sawed off shotgun strapped to your leather jacket and riding and doing wheelies every once in a while right. over, you know, people like me that don't have motorcycles, you'll do like a jump over me and my family. Yeah. You and your family will be scrambling. <laughs> you'll, you'll drop, you'll drop scrubs DVDs as you catapult over us. Right. We'll say, and, These are and I'll drive by so fast that I'll be able to grab some of your earthquake food. <laughs> but this by is the way, like Bill Burr level. He, he has a helicopter. I'm pretty, I don't think he has a helicopter, but I think he has a helicopter license and it's because he has a bit about it. He goes, if there's a big earthquake, the only thing to do is up and out. Like you can't have a takeoff like an airplane. You need up and out. That's his whole bit. That's a good bit. I, I don't have helicopter money um, in terms of owning one, but Bill Burr probably does. I don't know about that, Zach. Hey, we have to talk about something um, <laughs> uh, important. Yeah, bud. I loved your show, Loves. Sorry, I loved your show. Um, what the fuck was your show? Um, <laughs> crashing. Crashing. Yes. As you know, I'm a big know. fan. I also mentioned Love because uh, that's another Apatow show that I loved a lot. But I believe yeah. um, one of your editors was Dan Schalk. Is that correct? Do you remember that? Or do you, you don't learn crew pe people's no, names? That is so funny. I did, and I hung out with the editors constantly, and that is correct. Um, he just cut my new film, and I really like him a lot. And I just, I know that's so a random segue, but he's a very talented man. 
Well, I mean, you know what it is. Editing is like the whole thing. I, I don't know if you feel I don't this. think that people don't know that, I don't think, who aren't in the business. And, and in fact, it's so insulting. I know the Oscars are – this is this is very uh, – current right now because the oscars are trying to make every year less and less people watch the oscars the only people watching the oscars are, are like are like a couple thousand people in hollywood and a couple thousand people i think in the York. women and the women from earthquake solutions are watching it <laughs> yes. to pray for the souls of denzel washington and the like so they're trying to save the oscars by limiting the broadcast or doing whatever they're doing and one of the categories they said they were going to move to commercial break was editing and everyone was in an uproar like do you not know that the the the, the, the editor sitting next to the director is the one who the director goes out and frantically in as many or as few days as you have collects everything he or she can and yes. it's like a scavenger hunt and you go oh my god we got it we got it no no, no. we got to go home we got to go home okay yes, we get we'll get that tomorrow and you just like collect as much shit as you can and then you yeah. dump it into your editor's computer and you go please make this into something make good yeah, make a movie <laughs> <laughs> and, and Jed would say this with like the Shandling documentary, the editors like make the movie. Like yeah. he, he's doing so many things that he's like, really like, can you make this into anything? The thing I've noticed that's funny about editors is they often give themselves a good title card. Have you noticed this? <laughs> Even in like the eighties, if you watch a movie, it'll be like Dolph Lundgren will be on like the side of a, a building or whatever, but it'll be like edited by Phil <laughs> Hemwolf. It's on like a beautiful uh, landscape or like a sunrise or something. <laughs> Like it only became as a director, you should appreciate this. It's really like a ten-year phenomenon, and I wonder if you did it for Garden State or or Wish you, Wish I Was Here or any of your movies, where you put the directed by on the most the coolest image. Like you, I save don't do. It for I like, don't do. I have a weird. Oh. I have a weird thing. I don't like um, opening credits. I I find them very nonsensical. When you go see a play. Everyone doesn't come out in the opening of the play and you say, hi, I'm Zach Raff. I'll be playing Tim. The director doesn't come out and go, hi, I'm Carl Vasquez. I directed it. I, I find it, it's an old school antiquated tradition. So Which I do something because I was, I was just going to say you like Woody Allen. I, I, I understand the person Woody Allen, very complicated. And, and we'll put that over here just for now. I know you were raised on this film and his notably are like, title cards over black for like six minutes, almost like, like a music, like an I overture do, style. I do what's in the business. Where you're like, what the fuck is this? I do what's in the business called main on ends, which means um, contractually, if you don't show anything, if you don't, you, you can't even say directed by, you can just show like the company who's releasing its logo. And if you, and, and then of course you can, you're allowed to show the title. But if you don't get into any person's names, you can do it all at the end. Which is what I like to do. So I, I uh, so because, because I, I, I just prefer that. I, I want to get into the movie. Show is like that. Oh shit! Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I want to get into the movie. A little bit of a lag. I didn't mean to interrupt. Yeah, I want to yeah, get yeah. into the movie, and I don't, I don't want to be distracted by a, a long musical sequence. You're taking me through the town, and there's some slow crane moves, and oh, so and so did the hair. Like I don't care yet. Let me see the movie and love the movie, and then I'm so curious. Oh, who cut this? Oh, who who's who directed? Who's the cinematographer? Who's amazing? Like, don't tell me ahead of time. I'm not yeah. interested. You haven't interested me in their work yet. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I totally get that. I don't know. It's I just, just I, I, all my movies, all my movies, one actors, all my movies have main on ends. I'm sorry. Go ahead. 
Oh, I, I think we have a lag. Uh, it's it's uh, hopefully we can get through it. I was just saying that if you say Zach Braff, you have to say Josh Gad. That's just like, isn't it? It's funny that there's this element to show business that's like, it's like schoolyard politics. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. If you're saying he's in the play, you have to say my guy's in the play, which is totally fine. But it's funny that we could be kind of childish in that way. Oh, it's all negotiated by lawyers. I mean, I have things like, oh, if so-and-so's font is this big, this size, the other person's font has to be that size. <laughs> and uh, yeah. and yeah, yeah. if you – yeah, I, did I tell you about with the, which, with the, wish, the wish I Was Here poster last time we spoke? I don't know. Let's let's just not worry about repeating ourselves, and we'll just okay. say it fresh. <laughs> um, I'm looking at it right now, and the wish I was here poster. Uh, they they um, I, I had an artist. It's it's one it's one of those ones that's painted in, in, in like old school, um, and it's, and it's, I'm really proud of it. It's beautiful. If you're listening and you're curious at all, you can Google it. Actually, you might want to Google it because the, the punchline involves a visual sight gag. Um, in 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 in. in in Josh Gad's, and I'm sorry, Josh, if you hear this, I love you more than anything. But in Josh Gad's contract was, if he's in the poster, then that triggers uh, these other actors have to be in the poster. It was kind of, it's one of those things that people who aren't in the industry don't realize how what, what the level of minutia is negotiated in these things. But I didn't want to have, I would love to have Josh Gad on the poster, but I didn't want in putting him on what that triggered that I had to put so, 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 and so, so on. So what we did was, if you look at the poster, they put Josh Gad on, but they had, a, he's, in a, he's in a helmet, and the light is hitting off the reflection of the helmet so that you can't see his face. Um, it, there's glare, so he's, he's technically on the poster, but there's glare over his face. Yes. Who's the agent for that glare? Who represents the glare? Because that's that's that guy's getting all over town. I love that. Are you are you in the middle of doing a lot of press for uh, Cheaper by the Dozen? Is this what you're in the middle of? Cheaper by the Dozen is a, my first family movie. I, I did not write it. I did not direct it. Obviously, it's a remake of the um, of the you know the, the Steve Martin one, and of course there was an, an older one based on a, a true story of a, a book. But anyway, that's irrelevant. In the spirit of the, in the spirit and tone of the Steve Martin one, we did a mixed race uh, family one with me and Gabby Union. It's coming out on Disney Plus on March 18th. There's my plug. Please watch it. And yeah, I'm, I'm promoting it in any way you can in, in in these days as everyone starts tiptoeing off of Zoom and um and back into going out and doing talk shows and doing some talk shows. But still, the the press junket itself is still virtual, which I don't mind because. They're always so awkward and weird. It's it's better to do them off of off. Of oh yeah, oh yeah. Some hotel and the posters behind you, and there's like the black curtain, and and you're. Well, I think what people talk about, what people don't realize, is you're doing thirty of them in a row. Right. So whenever they're like, "Look how rude Paul Rudd is," or or whatever, and I'm like, "He," it's probably number thirty, and it's the thirtieth time someone said, "Did you read the Ant Man comics?" Like it's right. the thirtieth time. Right. I mean, yeah. Most people most people don't know because what they do is, in order to promote the movie, they bring in affiliates from all over the country because the entertainment reporter for Duluth, Minnesota, wants it to look like she got an exclusive with Paul Rudd. But what's really happened is Paul Rudd is sitting in a hotel room, and this woman, they rotate them in like like an assembly line. She's got five minutes and probably a chance to answer to ask three questions. And and there and if anyone who's ever done one knows that people are going to ask the same three questions. It's just what yeah. 
they try yeah. and you, you know yeah for example what are, Ant, what are, the, Ant, the Ant-Man example is the perfect one it's like uh, did you did you love the Ant-Man comics you know what's it like that's to why work? I was like okay if you're promoting this movie I, I was like bent especially because you've done the pod before I was like I want to ask you questions that you that you have not been asked a million times uh, I haven't really started press so but you can but you can imagine all the ones that the standard ones they'd ask me so you should ask me ones that weren't I got bit by a Rottweiler do you want to know that story yes I do well there's a Rottweiler in the movie and it's not the Rottweiler's fault I love animals more than anything so don't if you're listening to this don't be mad at the Rottweilers they're lovely animals any animal is lovely if it's if it's trained well and 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 was not trained to hurt anyone this animal was trained so well that it the the the, uh, the 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 shtick in the movie is that I'm me and my wife are gonna have uh, sexy time. Oh, look at my cute dog in the background. My uh, me Perfect and my wife timing that dog that dog was just released from a cage to prove that you love, <laughs> love animals. Release the dog. Actually, pause one second. I'm gonna open the back door for her because she probably doesn't want to sit in this office the whole podcast. Hold on. So the dog, the Rottweiler, is it, it, the, the the gag is that um, me and my wife Gabby Union are gonna are gonna finally have a time to make out because all the kids are out of the room and they're all you know not bothering us, and then I've got funny boxers on, um, and uh, and then the kids all rush in, so I grab a throw blanket off the bed. You know, keep in mind it's a kids' movie. This is this is. This I was just gonna say, if this wasn't a Disney movie, you would be you'd be naked. This is. I'd be already. naked or something. But this is you know cheaper by the dozen. It's the ultimate. You can watch. Actually, one thing I will really say about the movie genuinely is it's it's hilarious. It's if you have children yes. and you're dying for something you can watch with your kid that you're not gonna uh, die, you know that you're not gonna find so annoying. It, it's very funny and you'll you will laugh as an adult and your kids will laugh as children. Anyway, while shooting this. The Rottweiler, I, I pull a throw up to hide my silly boxers, and all the kids come rushing in. They're giggling, and then the Rottweilers been trained to pull off the the, the the throw to reveal my funny boxers. Well, the Rottweilers doing it great every single take, every single take, and then I, uh, no one has told me, and they should have. Hey Zach, just a small thing: be careful not to get the throw too close to your leg. Because, of course, the Rottweiler can't judge how far away the throw is from your leg. And on, oh, no. on, on the final take, a full Rottweiler three-year-old jaw clunched down on my inner thigh. Oh, no. And the only way I can describe it is the pain is like a Rottweiler chomping down on your inner thigh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, uh, no comparison is needed. Dear Lord, like, are we talking like full blood, like chomp? Oh yeah, leg? well, uh, uh, yeah, definitely not, not a stitch, but really bad. And uh, I still have a, the canine tooth scar. Um, but oh, what God. I had to do is, but there were ten little kids in the room, right? Well, not they're not on a little; they range from from you know eighteen to little. And, uh, but yes. I was like, I was like, okay, man, you got to be brave. You got to not scare these little kids. So I, I just signaled to the first AD like I need a second, and they got everyone out of the room. And then I just was like in so much pain. <laughs> and they brought course, we cut to we cut to the kids outside the room, and they, and we just hear through the wall like oh. oh, oh. <laughs> Oh, I wanted to scream motherfucker so bad. It hurt like you can't imagine. <laughs> of course. But I had the sensibility to go, idiot, you're going to scare all these little kids. There's a Rottweiler that bit you. Like, let them out of the room. So I held it in until they escorted wow. all the small children out of the room. <laughs> that is like, 
I I just finished shooting a show and there was a there was a, a a nine year old boy on the set. It was so hard. I didn't even think I was like a big potty mouth. I say potty mouth. Yeah. I didn't think I was a big potty mouth until I started working with a kid and I was like, shit, I'm I'm a fucking potty mouth. Like I'm always yeah. like on set. It's just fun. It's part of the like carny lifestyle of being carny life carny lifestyle. <laughs> Where the fuck is craft services? Like, it's yeah. just fun to talk that way. And every time, like a drama, I'd, I'd pan over, would rack focus to the little boy who was watching me make this bad example. I've had that experience, uh, too. In which I was here, the child, um, the young boy had been raised very religious. And part of the gag of the, of the character was that... Um, he the uh, there was a swear jar involved and i was always cursing and then he had to have some curses and, because he was picking them up from me and he was so nervous to say them and his parents had said it's okay you're playing a character and the character is doing this it's not you and but he had been so programmed um in his yeah. young religious upbringing that he was going to suffer, and 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 all, and they said we, they they excluded one. I think they f- forgot which curse. They said well, you can't say that. We're like okay, and then and then one day I I had I had an improv idea for him, and he looked at me like that, that involved a curse, not even a bad one. It was like bang or, or something sex something vaguely sexual, and he looked at me like as though I had pointed a gun at him. And I'm like, you don't, buddy, you don't have to say it if you don't want to say it. And um, why don't we talk to wow. your parents and see how you, but he was so scared of, you know, of Jesus. Well, yeah, it, really Jesus stepping aside and Satan rushing in. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's, it's not Jesus. It's Jesus like, you know, withdraws his protection <laughs> because, because you said fuck yeah. or whatever. Jesus I, was like, I remember, oh. The first time I said, shut the fuck up in an audience to an audience, like I was doing a college and there, it really was now, uh, you know, I'm 42. I've been doing stand up for over 20 years. There's times when you have to say, shut the fuck up. But the first time I said it, my body was like shaking, like the adrenaline of it, of, of not only swearing, but, but telling someone with your big boy voice and swearing. Does that bring up Wait, anything? Because they were talking over your set. Yeah. They wouldn't, they wouldn't, they were ruining the entire show. It was one of these. Yeah, yeah it remind me of when uh, in, in Annie Hall when she's um, when she's singing for the first time and you can hear the phone ringing and the plates clanking. You were you were you were the comic who couldn't who couldn't conquer the, the loud room. Well, but the thing is, once I had said "shut the fuck up," the show was good. But I, I mean, what do you even do with that? It was almost worse that it worked. Like all of my Christian programming was like, you say that everyone's going to uh, turn on you and, and, you know, gnash teeth, tear garments and send you to right. the outskirts of the city. Right. You and the women having their periods, you'd be on the outskirts. Uh, now I'm getting Levitical uh, with it. Or uh, <laughs> just yeah, I want to understand all, that. I'm scared. I don't know these laws. These are your laws. <laughs> I don't. I don't have any interest in in religion, Pete. I mean, I do from afar, and I and I. Uh, but I. I. I don't. I'm. I'm not well versed in in theology. At I do all. remember that. No, I remember that. I remember. Well, did I ask you this last time? Have you ever seen a ghost? A ghost? Yes, I have seen a ghost. Well, tell me about your ghost, and and like I can't remember. And if it's familiar, we'll just apologize that you told it both times. Okay, I want to hear I, your ghost story. I um was I woke up in the middle, and I I I never wake up in the middle of the night. I always uh, sleep through the night. I do have insomnia, but when I'm out, I finally go out. And this is um, this was twenty years ago, or more. 
And I woke up, sat up, like as though like, uh, like, like you would if a burglar broke a window, like sat up in a panic and looked <laughs> over. And there was, was out of the movies, uh, a spirity old person. I couldn't tell the sex. Um, and they were rising slowly up f- from the floor through the ceiling. And I did like you do in every movie where you like, Rub your eyes to make sure this is happening, <laughs> oh, and it no. was still happening. And um, and then they were gone, and I didn't feel scared at all while I was watching it. I felt calm, and then the second it was gone, I was terrified so much so that I had to pee so badly, and I didn't leave the bed. I was that scared. I was I was, I was oh. like, you temper pedicked the bed. What do you mean? Yeah, I'm assuming you have a Tempur-Pedic bed and you need Tempur-Ped it. Is this an... Oh, Tempur-Ped. I didn't get it. Dad joke. <laughs> How can they be dad jokes if I've been making them since I was 15? I don't understand. I don't know. Um, okay, couple things. One, yeah. you couldn't really see the ghost. Uh, is it possible it was Josh Gad and there was just glare? <laughs> <laughs> okay, there, there's a this joke is, he liked. This is probably where I got the idea to to cover Josh Gad's <laughs> face with glare. <laughs> so so I, first of all, I, I, I know like maybe it's funny that you peed the bed. I actually, I'm just thinking of how scary and terrifying that must have been that you couldn't move. And you and that happened. I mean, what a yeah, and I'm not and I don't believe in I don't have believe in ghosts and um and and friends have I have friends that are so into ghosts and and go did you hear that noise and then and they obsess about all the ghost stories and I always kind of roll my eyes about it but I did I did have this experience um, and what do you I, do I don't know that it's made me a ghost believer I mean I I honestly don't know I don't know if I can honestly say that I think. I've had so much death happen in my life um, uh, over the last couple years. I don't. I don't. I. I. I, I think we all find comfort in hoping that there is some uh, beautiful afterlife. But I, I. I think that's just comfort. I can't say because I saw this nondescript um, person rising if it truly was a spirit or if it was some sort of hallucination. Uh, I, I don't. I don't know. It didn't. It didn't make me like a hundred percent convert. You know. Yeah. Well, there's other theories too. I'm not even a huge ghost person. I just like, I, I always like those stories. They're interesting to me. And they, they, it's more about how you interpret them that's interesting. But there are people that think it's just uh, all of time is happening simultaneously. And there's like a, there's a glitch. Like you're seeing something that was happening to that ghost in, you know what I'm saying? Like in real time for them. I think the like ghost is probably like, this motherfucker death. never wakes up. We know that. I got to travel through the roof. <laughs> So I'll just, I'm going to use that room. (laughs) I got it. Where's the ghost going? I don't know. Why are they always rising? Why are they always rising? I just don't understand. The ghost, it kind of, I don't know. It looked at me. We we had a moment. You did. We made eye contact. I, I, I remember, I remember even though it was so long ago, not being able to assess if it was an old man or an old woman, um, but they were a senior citizen. Um, and we had a moment, and I remember feeling not scared whilst whilst in the presence of the of the human or the ghost. Mm. Is this the same place you live now? No, um, it's a, that was an old house, an older house. All right, all right. And so you're not there anymore, and they didn't make the move with you. 
No, the ghost. Uh, I think the ghost stayed. I think. Uh, I think that was... <laughs> well, the, yeah, ghost had rent control. The ghost yeah, that, I think that ghost said this is this is a good spot to stay. No, I, <laughs> I, I still. It was a different house um, in 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 the hills. Um, but I I I I I still live. Uh, I still live in the hills. Okay. Well, I definitely didn't ask you that last time. What about poop pants? You ever poop your pants? <laughs> Um, I did. When did I put my pants? Oh, camp. I had such a phobia. I had OCD as a kid and I had, um, I mean, I have OCD my whole life, but I had OCD in, in worse as a child. And the idea of shitting in the day camp toilet was just not a possibility for me. And, yeah. um, because and, uh, it was unclean or it wasn't private or what, um, it I, wasn't. It, I relate it, to that, by the way, the OCD thing. I was listening. To you talk yeah, sorry, about go ahead. It was. Um, it was. Uh, it was. Gr- it was not. There was not enough privacy. Um, uh, it, it was gross. You know, it was a day camp toilet. Uh, it wasn't. There was no. There was. There, there wasn't housekeeping. Um, and uh, and I. I don't know. I, I'm sure some aspect of OCD said fuck no. And so I, I really, really had to poop. And I, and I, I, I was a child. I was probably seven, eight, six, six, seven, eight, somewhere in that range. And um, I held it all day as long as I could. And then I think, I think on the school bus home, uh, I forgot when it would occurred, but at some point, it, it, I, I, I totally shat my pants. Please, <laughs> yeah, nicely done. I. I, I was saying that I heard you talking about your anxiety. First of all, that's just a heartbreaker. I, I like the ones where you're like 23 and you're at a Mumford and Sons concert. <laughs> you didn't want to get up. And, and like you thought you could, like, those are funny. You just broke my heart with a child, Zach Braff, like having uh, an anxiety reaction. I'm like that, sorry. That's a sad I'll one. try and think of an adult one. I don't think I've shot my, myself as an adult, but, um, but I definitely, uh, I definitely have that memory that I haven't thought of Um in so many years. Thanks, Pete, for bringing that, that up. Yeah. <laughs> well, we got ghost pee-pee. We have child poo-poo. I was listening to you on another podcast talking about how you would, you had those OCD tendencies to touch things, multiple times yeah. tap things. And, and it made me realize, dude, something I haven't thought about is when I was around the same age, was like six, five, six, seven, I thought I had to touch everything twice. Yeah, because that's I was, it. Because I was dirty. I thought, like, it just occurred to me that poop was dirty and that I was pooping all the time. Like, I'm constantly pooping, so I must be dirty. So when I touch something, I'm making it dirty. And if I touch it again, I'm taking the dirt back. I don't know why I didn't go, like, I'm making it double dirty. I I thought I could somehow take it back. And this is, you said your parents noticed. No one noticed mine. I remember being like, surely someone's going to notice this tapping thing. Well, in the Mormon, in the Mormon church. Well, I'm not really Mormon. I just look Mormon. <laughs> Wait, I thought you said you were, were raised Mormon, no? No, I, I was raised regular, just regular Christian. No, no, no third book. But I was just saying, like the Mormons, I have a year's worth of food in my house. Okay. I wonder if, um, I mean, that's kind of what OCD is, as a, you know, manifests, again, there's a huge spectrum of people, you know, like anything, of people on an OCD uh, spectrum. I, 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 had, I had it relatively light as a child, but mine manifested in, in a way like, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm leaving the room. If I don't kiss the teddy bear's uh, head six times, 
um, something bad will happen in my family. Now, I know in my brain that sounds ridiculous, even as a child. I remember thinking, but just to be safe, just to cover the bases, it's only yeah. going to take me four seconds. Just kiss the teddy bear's head six times. And that's, and that's how I would go about my life. Now, someone, whether they're a child or an adult who has that bad, can't fucking function. Um, I, but I found a way, I, even as a child, to navigate ways to, 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 excuse me, to navigate it. Um, and and a, a, a lot of ways it wore off, but then, you know, you, you think you're done, and then it finds funny ways of manifesting as an adult. Mm-hmm. Not, not tapping, mm-hmm. per se, uh, me personally, but, um, but that, that, that is a, that, that I, did do, I did have that problem as a child. And how did it, how are you doing with it now? You know, since we spoke last, people, I think, I think you should take comfort in this. You give people a lot of hope and a lot of inspiration when it comes to discussing anxiety, discussing depression. And I I think it's nice to like get it in the air. Well, I I battle it. I I battle it. Well, I've had a really hard time, Pete. I lost, uh, I, 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 um, I lost a friend to COVID who was living with me. I forgot if we spoke about Nick or not. Um, he was 41 years old and he, uh, got COVID and no pre-existing condition and has had a brand new baby and was Mm. just moved out here, was living in my guest house. And, uh, his, his wife took him to the hospital because it seemed like, uh, seemed like he had it, but he kept getting negative tests and, and he, but he just couldn't move. He was so exhausted. And when he got there, they put him on a ventilator and uh, he never got off of it and he died. So I, I had, that and then I just—I'm um, sorry to bring your audience down. I promise I won't talk uh, about depressive things the whole time. But um, my 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 manager and and best friend uh, just killed himself, um, and he had been I didn't suffering. Know you were working with him. I heard about. Yes, that, yeah. his name is Chris Uvain. Uh He's a wonderful man, one of the most beloved people in all of town, and. In fact, I just went to his memorial, and, and they, the, the theater sat a thousand people. The, the, the people who organized it said uh, they could have filled the theater ten times. That's how loved he was, and mm. and um, and he was a guy who you'd think had everything. You know, uh, you know, he was so successful. He represented huge clients. He had uh, uh, plenty of money and and plenty of friends. And you know, they so they show those these stereotypic slideshows at a memorial, and they're just pictures of him around the world, smiling, having the best time, which which it's just so confusing, even to those those of us who suffer from a much more mild form of depression. Um, mm. um, but he, he, he really had sunk so low with his depression and could not find, uh, um, and had t- access to the best doctors in the world. And, um, in, in fact, was about to try a, a new treatment. Um, I forgot what it's called, um, but it's, it, it, it's at UCLA. It involves spinning magnets around, uh, the head, almost like a CAT scan, um, that 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 um, people have found success with, and uh, and then he took his he took his own life. Um, the, so that just happened. So I, I digress mm-hmm. to talk about Chris for a moment, just because you say how are you doing with your own depression, and um, yeah. and and it, and it fluctuates as you go through um, life's challenges. You know, um, um, like anything, there's there's like anything, there's hills and valleys, and. Uh, and 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 the death and the grief that's been around me of late has, has made life a, a smidgen more challenging. Yeah, yeah, you're in a valley right now. I'm not in a valley in that I'm bedridden and 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 um and need uh, 
need you know need real doctor help but i but i i do speak to uh um a therapist and i do do things that help me in fact when chris first told me he was really really down i i was like okay okay buddy here's my regimen and i started giving him all these pep talk things and and uh and, and things to try and help him because you know um it's something that's been a part of my life my whole life yeah i i i want to honor what you're talking about and give it space and and know that i i hear you and you say that regimen there, there's part of me that's like i'd love to hear that as as somebody that's trying to just stay on that right side myself well i mean again first of all i find that um removing any drugs or alcohol is step one um alcohol uh is a depressant and a lot of people when they're sad use alcohol because it's the most obvious thing to do one would think but it's alcohol- because it's in tv and movies i i swear <laughs> when my first wife left me i i had the thought i think i'm supposed to drink <laughs> and that i swear i think we're similar dudes i was like that's the only reason I wanted to drink was because I think I'm supposed to go tell a bartender. I think I'm going to supposed to go watch planes land at LAX or something. You know what I mean? Like something you'd do in a movie, but it was actually like the worst thing I could do for myself. Yeah. The worst thing you can do is, and it's hard. And I'm not saying that I, that I don't go grab a glass of wine when I've had a shitty day. I'm not, I'm not saying I, I'm, I'm angelic in that way. I, I'm just saying um, if, if this is for people and it, Again, this isn't for. I had no idea Chris was in, in a in a suicidal level place. Uh, this mm. was like you know when when you're feeling real down. Uh, there's a, there's a handful of things I learned over the years. The first was uh, stop with any drinking or pot or, 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 or again. This is for me. Don't don't scream at your device as you listen to this and go. Are you kidding me? Pot helps me. Um, uh, exor- I can echo that, man. Yeah, I, I I what I say about pot is. Sometimes I wake up the next day, you're borrowing some of tomorrow's happiness for today. So the next day I'm less happy than I would Well, I feel that about next level drugs. Like, you know, um, if you've ever done, um, um, probably shouldn't be talking about this on a, on a, on a podcast, uh, promoting a Disney movie, but, um, (laughs) those, those drugs, those other harder ones like MDMA are, are truly taking your week's worth of serotonin and just blasting you with it for four hours, which is great. For but four then, hours. yeah, but then the rest of that week, you're like, where'd all that serotonin go that was that was helping me operate? Um, but that's why I think it's helpful to say that even with something that is so celebrated as benign, I'm trying to like, I, look, I had hand surgery just this week, so I've been taking edibles just to deal with pain, mm-hmm. and that's been really nice. Yeah. But I do notice that like. If if I'm off, it makes it worse. If I'm not off, it doesn't. But if I'm starting to like go that way, it can it can fuck up my tomorrow a little bit. Even though it'll make uh, the movie "I Come in Peace" really funny. <laughs> right, I mean? <laughs> right. I think you got to um, you got uh, another another huge thing for me is uh, is exercise and um, getting endorphins. Um, yeah, you know, I I had a therapist say to me once, "The, the gym will put me out of business." Um, uh, I remember you said that last time, yeah. but I look shout it from the rooftops. I think since we last spoke, I'm sitting next to my treadmill because I thought you had to do like badass stuff. Uh, now I'll just walk for an hour. This right. is how I watch my movies. I just just walk, just walk uphill, yeah. but walk. He said, um, you know, you can get it as as into it as you want or not into it, but um, that the 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 um, 
the endorphins that come from exercise, um, uh, and 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 it could be for you. It could be lifting weights, or you, it could be some form of cardio. Cardio should be a part of it because the, you know that helps release the endorphins. And um, um, other things where meditation has really helped me. Using one of those apps, um, quieting my mind with that. Um, you know, oh, you know. I remember we talked about this last time too. I got something called a muse, which is the, it's a headband you put on that senses your brain activity. Uh It sounds like something from demolition man or something, but it really can tell you when you're calm. I'm just recommending it. It's not a sponsor of the podcast yet. Maybe they will be, but like now it is M U M U S E. Mm -hmm. It just tells it, it makes uh, like, it'll play the sound of rain in your ears. And if you're starting to lose focus, the sound of the rain gets more intense. Oh, that's just very, really subtle way of saying hey dipshit you're losing it and you just come back to your breath it's really cool muse i'm gonna write that down um yeah meditation you know there's a lot of apps um headspace is one i really like and um there's calm and 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 if you've never tried those i uh, and you're i really recommend starting your day with them because they they really do sort of educate you in it's all, it's all, it, it reminds me of a yoga class too. If you've ever done yoga, um, mm-hmm. uh, and an, another great one um, f- f- uh, that's been useful to me is um, you in yoga. The whole what I got out of it was that while you're doing these positions and exercises, you're focusing on your breath, so your brain is not wandering all over the place. Of course, it does wander right. all over the place, and then you bring it back to the breath, and then but then you take that skill set. And when you're on that crowded subway train or that person gives you the finger in, in traffic, you go back, you to go your to your breath. And yeah. it really is very, very helpful. Um, I think getting, getting through life and, and I, and I don't want to, and of course I wouldn't poo poo uh, medication at all. Um, I think anyone who's got it in their head that, um, that it's shameful to explore, and of course, therapy—a uh, very, very big part of it. Being in therapy, talking to talking to someone regularly, um, um, and then not, and then, and then, if you and the therapist and a psychiatrist determine that medication might be right for you to try, uh, to try it, because I grew up with a psychologist mom, a psychologist stepfather. My stepmother was a therapist. Um, a, a, a very uh, a family that was very open to therapy. And, um, and, and, and I've, I, and then as I've gotten older, I've learned through so many people that there, that in their family, in their life, there was such shame in, in, in seeking help. It meant that you were disturbed. It meant that you had a problem. And, yeah. and, um, and these days that, that isn't, you know, I, I would encourage people to, to, to look, to look into at the very least the therapist and now not to give a, a plug to, um, to something that's not one of your advertisers, there's there's these things called like uh, there's one called BetterHelp, and they really help facilitate you finding someone that you can like literally, you can literally video chat the person. You could literally, if you said I don't even want to look at you, you can literally have a chat, uh, a, a phone chat, uh, you know, text chat, like with, texting. With yeah, I mean, so uh, yeah. now more than ever, you know, because I think a lot of people, I think a lot of people get to a point where they go, God, I really, it might be nice to talk to someone. Where do I even begin? Like, I don't want to see like my friend's therapist. I don't want to see my dad's therapist. I don't want to see, yeah, where do I even start? And, and honestly, I think when, when you're in a bad way or, or you're not, 
I don't, I don't know how to say it. I would say for myself, if I'm not feeling a hundred percent, if I'm not feeling like confident and stuff, I've had friends and family members that look for therapists and then their inability to find a therapist compounds their, their depression. Like it's, yes. it's almost like I can't even find a therapist. You know what I mean? Like, so this is, this is wonderful. So another thing to think about too, if you're someone who ends up trying antidepressants is that some people get very frustrated with them because, you know, there's so many of them and uh, they, they, they don't, they don't, you know, they take about a week or two to start doing anything to somebody. And then if, if it doesn't work, people go, ah, oh, fuck it. And, and then you want to go, no, buddy, friend, you gotta stick try, it, try, you know? try a different one. Try, if yeah. you're in pain, what are you doing? Like you, you, it's going to take, you're going to have to have some patience. Um, that one didn't work for you. That one made you feel in, that was incorrect. Um, um, yeah. try a different one. And, and when, when Chris died, I, 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 I felt that way. I was like, God, the, you know, they never found the right medicine for him. And he, and he, and he was just so low and you can't help but think, Oh man, uh, if only I could, if only I could have just convinced you to, to, to keep going, to keep fighting, but that's not, it's, it's kind of like, um, it's a disease, you know, and so it's almost like no, you have to think. You have to think of it like you're asking a, a cancer patient who's in so much pain, who wants to die because uh, nothing else is working. Uh, it's it's the equivalent of saying to them, "No, come on, um, I don't. I, I know you have a giant brain tumor, but but like, keep fighting." And they're like, "Dude, I, I'm I've I've had enough. I'm I'm out." You know, and you have to respect that. I remember when Anthony Bourdain passed, people were like, I don't understand because he said something very similar to what you said about Chris is like, this guy's traveling around the world. He's eating pad thai. Like, I don't get it. And you're like, it's a disease. What, what, yeah. what, what helped me understand? It's like, it's like a tumor reached out of your head and, and, and killed you. Like, like something yeah. killed you. In your, it's in your a disease brain. and people can't fathom it when they, because it's, it's, um, it's so hidden from the, like if someone, if you saw someone with severe burns, uh, I'm just making this up as I go along, but if you saw someone with severe burns and in extreme pain in an ICU and and they had brain damage and, and they were like, please let me go, you'd be like, I get it. I get it. I get it. I love you. I get it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to be okay with letting you go. Um, mm-hmm. um, whereas if, if it's solely in someone's brain and we don't see it and we only see the happy face they put on, and, um, you know, Chris Cornell and Robin Williams and Anthony Bourdain, we go, you guys have the greatest lives in the world. What are you talking, what the, what the hell? Right, you just, right, right. you have no idea what's going on in the brain. You have no idea that they're in the same amount of pain as, as that severe burn victim, you, you know, who's, who's saying, please, please, please let me go, you know? Well, this is something that I, I, we've talked about last time and I've heard you talk about in other places, which is like, you you reached a certain level of success very early. Mm. So you and I have both sort of figured out that the answer to the inside problems isn't always outside. You know what no, I'm saying? No, it never it's, is. It yeah. never is. It, I, I would say that I just didn't. I didn't want to make you too too bummed out to be like it's never this. It's never that. It's always. Can I, did I did I run this by you? Did we did we talk about? It's a spiritual principle, and I know you said you're you're not religious, but when I'm depressed or anxious. I ask myself, this is something Ram Dass taught me, is the part of you that's noticing the anxiety, is it anxious? So if you think of your awareness as like a, a, a spotlight and it finds the anxiety, you can ask yourself, 
is the awareness that's noticing it and finding it and going, there's anxiety. Is it anxious? Mm -hmm. And when I do that, I go, oh my God, the real me, which is just unborn spacious awareness is really just observing Pete. It's the thing that goes, oh, I have to pee. Oh, I'm hungry. Oh, I'm talking to Zach today. I better come up with some question or whatever. But the real you, meaning you haven't always been 43. You haven't always been an actor. These things aren't essential to you. Right. What is essential to you is the awareness that notices all of the phenomena, all of the passing show that goes through you. Yes. And when we can tap into that, and rest into it. I don't mean think about it. And I don't mean worship it. I mean, stop and rest, sink into it. You notice that that thing is made of peace. Does that feel like anything to you? Yes. It rem I don't know much about the Stoics, although I've been, I've read a bunch of quotes that have been meaningful to me. And it, it seems in line with, with um, yeah, Marcus Aurelius um, saying, saying um, an event occurs, you decide how to respond in your brain to that event. You decide if it's good or it's bad. Um, um, it's sort of like- there, There's a line I just read book. actually in a, in, in a, in a self-help book I was reading the other day on the plane. It said uh, the, the line from, from, from Hamlet when, when Rosencrantz and Guildenstern show up, show up and uh, his, 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 his like college buddies and they say, is everything all right, my Lord? He goes, there, there is, What's the line? It's like uh, not, nothing is either good or bad, but thinking makes it so, and yeah. um, and, um, and and that really dovetailed with with what I've read briefly of of, of the Stoic and, and Marcus Aurelius's writing is is that we we um, we were constantly every single second deciding if something's good or bad or good or bad or good or bad or um, and, and 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 none of it is innately any of it. And also, you see, sometimes when I talk about these things with people, they do kind of put a spin on it where it's like, we can kind of clench a muscle and choose to not be anxious or choose to not be depressed. I'm actually suggesting something much more passive, which is like, I did it, Zach, almost every morning I'll wake up like 4 a.m., I'll pee or something, and I come back to bed. And the feeling is it ranges from what if they get me or what if they find out I'm, I'm evil or, you know, mm. like I'm a bad boy. Like kids. Yeah, I lied about child. being a Christian. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, Zach, Zach thought I was a Mormon and I corrected him. And, and now the Latter-day Saints are going to be mad at me. Something irrational is happening. And the only defense I, I, and the best, actually, I found many defenses against this, but the best one is non-resistance, meaning I say, welcome, come on in, yeah. get as big as you want, get as big as you want, because that energy lives on my wrestling with it. It's like Jacob in the tradition you don't know about. But if you <laughs> wrestle with it, yeah. it, it lives. What yeah. do you resist? What do you resist? I say, come on in. And get as big as you want. And guess what? This is neuroscience. All feelings, the maximum is 90 seconds. So if you don't engage with it and start playing chess with it, like in a black and white French film, and like really like asking it questions. I think it's shit, a Swedish film. It's a Bergman movie you're referencing. Thank you very much. I Seven only know Seal. it from from comedy parodies. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it's Bergman's Seventh Seal, but I don't mean to show off. Where you play chess with death. Yeah. Uh, so you don't resist it. And then you try to, again, don't think. 
Okay, so this is Rupert Spira. I'm going to quote it to you because I think you're going to like it. He says, awareness is the only constant in all of your life. When you, what this, the awareness that's looking out your eyes right now is it, you're 43, right? 46. 46. Can you, you look tell by my gray beard? I didn't shave for you. I think you look great. Thank I think we man. also, we still look related, and me, you, and Dax are going to do a, a triple header. So you're 46. I, um, I, uh, I, I, I was skiing uh, this weekend, and, um, woman comes up to me and she goes um you um you uh you look a lot like dax shepherd and i go <laughs> I, I i i've heard that a bunch but but i'm not and she said should we take a picture in case you're lying and i was like <laughs> <laughs> that is very good in case and, you're lying and i'm like no no we're good we don't Need, we don't need the picture of me, you, you, you and Dax. You and Dax are not going to have a moment together. <laughs> I'm so glad you told me that. That makes me very happy. I'm also sort of proud of her for a very, I think that's a very funny line. Should we take a picture in case you're lying? Well, I think what I, I think she that. was, she was so positive that I was Dax and I, I knew I wasn't Dax. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> and I was very certain that I was. And so, but I think in her mind, I was Dax lying um, that I wasn't Dax. And so she thought, well, how about a picture anyway? Because then I'll go show my friends and they'll be like, yeah, yes. he was lying. That's Dax. You know? I mean, there's a chance you could have done it and that would have happened. And then she would have had her moment with Dax. I know, but I wasn't in the mood to take a Dax picture. <laughs> That's a very specific <laughs> mood. <laughs> Okay, I love that. Favorite part of the show so far. So you're 46, you look great. Thank you. The, so, and I'm almost done belaboring this point, but I think you're gonna, you're gonna groove with it, baby. All right, is like, you're 46. Yeah. The constant through all of it, it's not, not what you've been feeling. It's not what you've been doing. It's not the relationships. It's not the places. It's not what you've seen in what we'll call objective reality. It's the awareness that knows it. So the awareness that you are experiencing now is the same as when you're 46, 26. It was the yeah. same, right? I don't feel any 12, different. 12, 8. I don't know. About, I don't know and it's not going to get any different, Zach. That's, that's the whole phenomenon of the old ghost floating through your floor was like, you know, I feel the same as I do when I was two. Awareness is awareness is awareness is awareness. And the nature of that awareness, when investigated, and I mean close your eyes and say, when I say I am anxious... Who is the I? What do I mean by I? And you'll notice, and words fail us at this point, but that phenomenon that is, is available to you as it was to Gandhi, to Christ, to Buddha, it's as available and as close, it, it's as close as close can be to you right now in this moment. We can use words like spacious. It's not, it's peaceful. It's happy in the sense that it doesn't want anything. Mm -hmm. It's like the screen that your whole life is played on. In the same way, this is Rupert Spira, a movie screen is not stained or colored by the events on that screen. It's the constant. And when we watch movies, we forget about the screen in the same way when we live our life, we forget about base awareness. But yeah. that is the only thing we should be talking What's about. What's this the book only that I need to read because you just sold it to me? You need to read, it's called Being Aware of Being Aware by Rupert Spira, S-P-I-R-A. You could read it in one day, but you won't because every three words, you're going to close your eyes and have like 
a religious experience. I know someone gave me this book recently after after Chris that was this called the calming the calming book. Uh, I think is what it's called. Um, oh, sorry, the comfort book. The comfort book, and okay. it's just like. It's it's one of those books that's just like uh, it's almost like a greatest hits of 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 things that will comfort you, and sometimes it's a sometimes yeah. it's a sometimes it's a sentence and sometimes it's a page and a half, and, and taken from all over the place, all great great minds, and mm-hmm. um, and it's almost like just like an an IV of uh, of comfort. <laughs> yeah. That's great. I'm glad these tools are coming up into your life. I, I really think being aware of being aware is one of those books where you're just kind of like, it's all, it's all okay. Like, Another all one okay. Um, that got sent to me that I really, um, really love it. That got sent to me is, is, is called When Things Fall Apart. Have you heard about that one? Mm-hmm, I have. Yeah. I think we, I think we have that book and I can't remember what was falling apart. <laughs> when we got it, but I remember it being quite good. Yeah. Well, when you when if you're listening and things are falling <laughs> apart, I recommend when things fall apart and the comfort book. Well, that look that's sort of one of the meanings of life that I've un, that I've witnessed is that here's this tragedy, and your depression and your loss, right? Mm. And yet here we are, and that's why we're talking about it. And that's why I get all worked up to tell you about awareness itself or whatever it might be. And you talk about exercise and you talk about sticking with your medication. And we, and we empathize with how it's a disease and all these things. And there's so many people listening. That to me is the death and the resurrection. That's the flow of the, the, these terrible things happen. I'm not saying they don't happen. They're fucking happening today. They're happening right now. Yeah. And the and the the churning of the universe and of humanity specifically is the alchemizing, the alchemization of of horrors, unspeakable horrors, into art. I know you love music, into music, into uh, dance. You ever watch people dance and you just go, instead of murdering or robbing, these people are frolicking for my pleasure. Like it'll make you, if you can really see it. It'll make you cry, yeah. Because of all the thing, all the horrible things you could do, these people are, are dancing, yeah. or these people are making fun fun movies, or or, or sharing good conversations. That yeah. that's that's sort of the uh, other side of it. Um, I made a movie that um, isn't uh, that I'm in post on now called uh, A Good Person. Um, I don't have a release date for for when it's coming out yet because I'm just uh, cutting it now. But it really came, it was born out of the, the idea of uh, how to stand up after the worst tragedy that ever happened to you, and mm. um, and, and it's about an unlikely friendship between um, uh, Morgan Freeman and Florence Pugh, and, and um, actually Molly, Molly Shannon plays Florence's mother and. It's about um, great. it's about grief, but it's about and it's got humor in it, obviously as well. But it's about um, it's about when you get knocked down, um, the, having the community and and it could be one person, it could be ten um, of of, mm. of 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 of, uh, of of good people to help you stand back up. Yeah, and it, I think we don't we don't do things like that. I'll speak for myself. I need to be like hit and humbled and, and sort of broken 
to to reconnect to people. That's one of the things I love about, to, to go to a lighter note, or we don't have to, but I'm just saying, when I, I did Home Alone for Disney, and so I did a movie, a family movie with a lot of kids mm-hmm. uh, for Disney, just like you did, yeah. Cheaper by the Dozen, which is out, we don't know. March 18th. Uh, I'm just kidding. March 18th. Uh, the Ides of March. Um, that is this like beautiful, I know this sounds maybe false, but when I'm on set, especially with kids, I'm like, this is it, man. This is life. Like with children, being silly, having laughs. I'm like, when I'm left alone, I can go full plain view. And what I was saying is sometimes disruptions in my life, those reconnect me. I'll, I'll do more shows. I'll see more friends. But also being on set can be like a very, very happy place. Of course. because and I'm not just asking this. No, I, I yeah, compl- I'm ha- I'm happiest when I'm making things. I, uh, um, you know, we were kids that I'm I'm speaking for for I guess I should speak for myself. I was a kid who just it's all I ever wanted to do, and um, you you know, um, in, unless you're a, a, a giant movie star who's got back to back to back to back projects, uh, you you're not. And actually, I should say, when I was on Scrub, I pretty much had nine years of of work. We would take breaks in between, but there was so much joy in being like, I can't believe we get to do this. And and yeah. when you're not doing it, you're um, you, you, it, it, it's, it's something that's just hugely missing in, in your life because not only is it the, you're, you have the joy of doing something you really love, but it's it's such community. Uh, the, you, you mentioned carnies earlier. It's being in a play mm-hmm. or being being on, on a film crew or being in a movie is is such a, a fun group of of people that are all a part of a community and a team, um, and, and and that's so important to have to have community. That's another big part of of of, of tackling de- of tackling depression is is, is community yeah. and not and not trying to to go about it alone. Well, that's there's a there's a documentary called um, I think it's called Happy, not to be confused with the Phil Hoffman okay. movie Happiness, which, <laughs> which is involves not the most. No, yeah. which involves a man ejaculating um, onto a piece of paper and sticking the piece of paper to the wall. So just be just be yeah. clear before yeah. you start it. <laughs> if you're sitting down with the family, if you're like if you're happy, like Pete Holmes, happiness. Pete Holmes from Home Alone recommended this Todd Solon's movie Happiness. <laughs> Do you remember how that movie ends? Doesn't it end with a uh, a shooting? Happiness. Your your podcast is explicit, right? I'm allowed to I'm allowed to say whatever yeah. I want. Um, happiness, I believe, ends with a, a boy um, ejaculating is, is watching a woman in a pool, and he had, and, and from a balcony, and he ejaculates onto the onto the balcony, and uh, yeah, and then the, yeah. And the family dog comes and licks it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because the movie, yes, the movie is about. You have to erase thing. this. I'm, like, I'm here to talk about Disney. You can't talk about this story. <laughs> you, you are quoting. I don't mind losing. I that didn't fucking write it. it, everybody. It's Todd Solon's. It's a movie called Happiness. And don't watch it if your intention is to watch the one called Happy. That's, <laughs> that's what. That's all we're saying. But it is. It is about. It's absurd that that makes that dog happy and it makes that boy happy. That's the whole point of the movie is like there's <laughs> fucked up things that make things on earth happy. They were both pleased. Um, 
That's exactly his disturbing point. <laughs> and then he plays chess with death in a cave on a beach. Um, I was so the movie Happy talks about like some of the happiest people in the world, and throughout, it's all the people that are forced to live with each other. It's it's like I, again, I don't know if it's Sweden, but it's like or Denmark. There's like these lower income people in Denmark that are some of the happiest people in the world because they live in these like honeycomb shaped buildings where there's like chore wheels and everyone's constantly like college. You're constantly together. It's yeah. my day to make the salad and it's my day to clean the, the yard. And, and everybody's just kind of like, so let me just say this. When I was, I just did a multicam for the first time. We just wrapped yeah, up how the first was that? season. It was the best. I'm so happy to hear that you enjoyed Scrubs because that is my experience on the show. Yeah, but you did a We're full going- you did a full multicam like live in front of an audience, right? I've only I've only like done guest spots on those. That's a that's a different beast for me. It is a different beast, but still the difference is I have friends that have done single cam, multicam that are miserable. And I've had friends that do single cam, multicam that go like, How the fuck do we get to do this? So it makes me and, and the cast of How We Roll, every day we were like what is this? Every week, we felt like those Denmark people. We eat together. We rehearse together. You know how it is. You shoot the shit like you're. Yeah. You're. These but are did your you friends. love? Um, did you love doing the multicam because you're a stand-up and you get the joy of 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 listening to the to the audience laugh? Because I, when I've guessed it on them, that was the fun. Because uh, um, with Scrubs, just for people who are confused, a multicam is the one like Friends where you, they, they do it like a play in front of an audience. And um, and Scrubs is just shot like a movie, and there's no laugh laugh track or laugh or anybody laughing um, in, in on on the audio track. But um, so I, we never we spoofed one actually, and we we did a uh, homage to one is is, is is one of our episodes. But and I've yeah. guessed it on uh, one or two of them. But I imagine for a stand up, it must be extra fun for you because you get the joy that hear, you get the joy of hearing the laughter. Well, when I've guessed it, I, I guessed on Mulaney. And that was the most fun. It was Andy Ackerman was directing and they just let me go to town. I did like 50 alts and, and it was just a hoot. I was, I was hamming it up. I'm like yeah. mugging to the audience, yeah. like just having joy. On our show, hopefully season two, we'll have, first of all, hopefully we'll have a season two and hopefully we'll have a live audience because of COVID. We had maybe 50 people, but they weren't even really a proper audience they were but they were they they kind of laughed because it was their job to give us right. timing oh, yeah 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 it that wasn't sucks. Quite the you gotta same. get a real Even audience the, well you'll be able to hopefully i, have I would like audience. that yeah i my favorite Let's thing in the it. world is um remember in broadcast news when um when albert brooks calls in and and uh and and they and and holly hunter picks up and then he says it into the anchor's ear and he he says uh He's on his couch and he says, I say it here, it comes out there. Do you remember that? Yes. Okay. I love that movie. Um, my favorite thing in the world would, would be uh, um, Bill Lawrence, who's one of my best friends and created um, Scrubs and Ted Lasso and um, Spin City and many sitcoms that weren't as successful as Spin City. But I would go to the tape night not knowing anyone. And what happens, um, for those of you who, who, who don't know this world, is that uh, uh, someone's character will say a joke and it won't work. It doesn't get the biggest laugh. So then all the writers sort of huddle around the showrunner mm-hmm. and they talk about what's an alt joke. Um, let's try something different. And it's going to be a surprise for the audience because they don't know that the joke is going to be changed and, 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 and ideally it'll get a bigger laugh. Well, I would go not knowing anything. 
and I would just sort of stand in the back. And I love pitching jokes. I was never, I've never been a stand-up. I'm a, I, I, I do write comedy sometimes, but I'm, but my favorite thing in the world would be like, I can beat that joke, and I, and I go whisper it to Bill, and then I go w- watch Bill whisper it to an actor I've never met, and they, they start the scene again, and the actor gets a huge laugh, and I'm like, that was the great, yeah. that was, that, that was like sex. Yep. That was better than sex. No, yeah. <laughs> I was. Yeah. I don't even like sports, but I was like, it's baseball. Like the crack of the bat, you hear a home run and you're just yeah. like, wow, that's what all of the athletes were about. Like that, right. I got that feeling because yeah. I rode on a multicam too. It's, it's, you're talking about like, what I love about it is it's like real show business. You know yeah. what I mean? It's, it's, it, it's, it's the, the beer bottle says light beer on it. Everything's been Greeked. You know what I mean? Yeah. The, but also it's good for you because you have, you've, you've what, how many children do you have? One or two? I have a, yeah, and, and that's the other thing that you you would say because you know the schedule of it is great if you have yeah, a baby. Yeah, you can and people people a lot. You know, it's funny. There's less and less sitcoms these days because be, they they be, they became out of fad. Even though Friends is still the most popular show on the planet. Yeah, yeah. But um, but a lot of actors do them because you can actually have a normal life. You can actually like see your kid. You can actually. Well, that's something. It's absolutely true. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I pick up my daughter from school, which is the greatest. You can't ask for anything more. I feel like it's a summer camp where I get to go yeah. and let out all of my look at me. You it's know, you're looking you. at me. It's a great, it's a great it gig out. for you because they're great for stand-ups because you get to write, you get to contribute, you get to be funny, and you get to be a person, uh, 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 your personality. And also you can actually know your kid and not be unstarred in some World War II movie. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Well, we're locking it in unofficially season two, uh, a zebraf. A Braffy Taffy. If I'll do one. I did. Oh. Donald Faison did one. Uh, for You'll do it? You'll do a cameo? I'll definitely do it. I, I think they're fun. Um, they I did one. So I did one. Um, but only if you get the real audience. I'm not coming for some fucking executives to laugh at me. I, 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 I want to. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's funny, dude. I was actually going to say this to you. If I did an alt, because often I would do an alt, if I, if I knew we had that joke and we had it twice, I would say something different. Oftentimes the audience might not, and I loved the audience, please, if anyone that was in the audience, the laughers, hears this, I appreciated your time and your effort, and I knew you had to watch it a million times. But often if I did an alt, no one would laugh because they were waiting for me to say the thing that was their cue oh, to laugh. Oh, they're like actors then. That's lame. It was yeah. more like actors. So it, yeah. it would kill me. I would say something, and the stand-up in me, my heart would shrivel because I was like, why am I even trying? No, it's I the ac- say exact opposite with a real audience because they've heard the joke that was they, mediocre. Yeah, that's right. And they that's think right. they're going to hear the mediocre joke again, but now they hear and something yet, that's way funnier, and they extra laugh because it's a surprise. I want you to tell me a story. Okay. Cause there was only one time when I was doing a show and you said something I, I loved. You talked about um, as a director, you're like, I think people do their best work when they're having fun. And I'm like, that is, I want you to direct me, please direct me because that is it. That is the whole fucking thing. If you watch PT Anderson, Tarantino, these directors love it. They love doing it. Have you ever listened to PT Anderson talk about directing a film? He's like, yeah, I think of myself as a writer. He, he said something very similar to you. He's like, a director, you're just sort of hosting a party. That's what you said. But he says that sort yeah. of stuff. He well, like my, my experience it. is like, you know, Scrubs worked because we, the environment was so comfortable that there was no wrong answer. So we were so free and so happy and so silly that we 
could be our best selves and our best performers. And you hear about these sets where everyone's fighting and this person, and I've been on them too, as, a, as, a, as um, I've been on, I've been in environments where I was a boss and someone was problematic. And I've been on an environment where I was just an, a, an actor and, and someone was problematic and it's fucking hell. Mm. It's like, God, we never get to do this. It's so everything lined up and we're all here doing the thing we love and it's, and it's miserable and no one wants to be there. And, um, it's hell. And, you know, sometimes then they end up working, you know, uh, the, the, the thing. Yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. And, and, and then, and, and then you works. find out, like, it's like Mad Max, I guess. It's infamous that the, the Charlie, Charlize Theron and, and, um, and what's his name absolutely hated each other. And I heard and, Star Joe and, uh, and Bill Murray didn't like each other in Lost in Transition. No, don't tell me that. And I that love that movie too much. I can't hear that. I will, I refuse say to accept that sometimes, it. Sometimes, sometimes. You have to hear it. Sometimes hate reads as love on camera. That's what somebody told me. I, we don't know if that's true, though. I can't hear that anecdote because that movie is so special to me. But, um, but anyway, the <laughs> po- but anyway, um, I. My point is, I'm so off of Bill, who's my mentor. I, I really, on all my sets, trying to create. I, I think of it like I'm throwing a wedding. Like if you have a 26 day shoot, I'm throwing 26 weddings, and. Um, I, uh, each one is going to be impossible to do, to pull off. Um, and the actors are my guests. I don't, my, I don't want my, I don't want Morgan Freeman and Florence Pugh don't need to know that the Teamsters um, need two more trucks and they're really That's pissed right. off. They don't need to know that we lost the location for Thursday. They don't need to know that everyone wants to fire catering because the food sucks. Nope, like nope, I nope, all, that's nope. like, that's my job. And I'm just here to be like, morning, guys. How you doing? How are you doing? How are you? Like, what can I do to make you so comfortable that you're going to bring your beautiful art? And 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 so I try and do that. I try and Gary Marshall was the ultimate example of this. He 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 he. You know, he made so many movies, but the, the most famously, Pretty Woman. Um, and he created Laverne Shirley. I mean, he was a living legend. By the way. Total digression, but if you ever get the chance, listen to Gary Marshall's uh, autobiography on tape because it's hilarious, and he's got this New York accent that's amazing. But anyway, he 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 said it was like he he said that he's like I'm throwing a party. Every day is a party, and you're invited, and you don't have to worry about yeah. anything else. You just have fun. Yes, I can. Okay, so I'm going to load this into you, and I really want to hear what it makes you think of, and I know it'll make you think of something. So I was shooting a show. This was a while ago. And there was a child on set. And I, what I'm doing as, a, as an actor is I'm trying to stay in my funny, right? That's my yeah, job, is yeah. I'm going to stay in my funny. You got to stay in the space. And that means I'm going to be making a lot of jokes. Got to stay in the space. And I'm going to make a lot of jokes. I'm going to make a lot of stupid jokes, like my Tempur-Pedic. I got to stay in that space. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I need to feel safe in that space. Mm. And while I'm doing that, I talked to this little girl. And I hurt my hand or something. And she was like, oh, you hurt your hand. And I go, I say to the little girl, I go, that's beautiful. That's called empathy. That means you're not a sociopath. And that's just what I say when people show empathy. It's a little joke I make. Mm-hmm. By the way, this kid doesn't even know what I'm saying. I'm, I'm saying a thousand things. And dude, the director goes, hey, in front of everybody, hey, there's a kid here. Ease, it, ease up on the sociopath talk. And I'm like, that's... That's what you do. Like, like now I'm humiliated. Mm. I'm embarrassed. I'm ashamed right. for saying, I didn't even know sociopath was something 
You could say, don't say in front of a child. And I just want to load that into you. One, has that ever happened to you as an actor? And two, doesn't that go against everything you're saying as, as a director like that? Help me feel safe. Or maybe I was an asshole. You tell me. No, no. I mean, saying sociopath isn't, it's, it would be appropriate if you were truly being inappropriate, but you would, first of all, I would take you aside. I go, dude, you got, you got to remember this kids here. You got to, you got to tone down X, Y, Z. That's the appropriate thing to do. You, embarrassing someone for no reason is idiotic. I, I think as a, as a leader, and I'm sure this goes for every job there is other than, you know, I, I, we just know Hollywood, but, but um, you know, you take someone aside, you don't, you, there's no need to humiliate someone in, in front of everyone. Um, well, I think people forget that like the, 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 the guy that's with his dumb top hat and his cane that's sparkling in the, in the spotlight is also such a vulnerable baby. Like yes, I'm speaking for sensitive. myself. Like if you, if you go like, Hey, there's a kid here, my heart breaks. And like the next take, the next two takes, it's going to be really hard. I, I know I sound whiny right now, but it's just hard for me to, to feel that way. Of course, because being, <laughs> you know, being in a, being a performer of any type is very in- incredibly vulnerable. Uh, you're really putting yourself out there, and and yeah. you need to be free to do that. And you don't want to be in your head. I, Can I, you tell I, me an example? To, something? Yeah. An example of what? Oh, uh, I, there just have to be so many times that you've thought it was funny to say Tempur-Pedic the bed, and like nothing, it doesn't work. And like someone was gracious and saved you, or someone was gracious and let it slide, or, or you know what I'm saying? Like All the time, that I mean, in nine years of in nine years of Scrubs, we had created an environment where there was no wrong answer. Just play. Do you know how many duds there are? That we would we would do a thing where we would <laughs> we would do a thing where like if if you had the punchline, I would just keep setting you up, just keep setting you up, and then uh, writers would have an idea, or you'd have an idea, or Bill Lawrence would have an idea, or the director would have an idea, and you'd get to editing. There'd be ten different options you know probably three of those are funny and so uh uh, yeah i mean they're they're not and then you do something so stupid and silly i did this thing brennan frazier was the guest star and he was he was supposed to be a big you know big silly uh guy and he his character picked me up and i'm and i'm i'm the nerdy nerdy dr jd and he picks me up and he starts spinning me this was that was in the script but for some reason it came to me on like take two that wouldn't it be extra nerdy if jd like a child couldn't help but enjoy it and put his arms out and his head back and said, and said, eagle, like he was soaring like an eagle. Okay, Titanic tip. I, 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 he's spinning me, and I got my arms out, and I'm, I'm saying eagle. Yes, very much, very much, like, like, like Leo in Titanic, but picture horizontal and being spun by Brendan Fraser. <laughs> it's so, it's so good. I love it so. Now, much. now I want to yeah. tell you. I want to. All right. So, so that was just. I, I cracked the crew. Cracked up, and it was silly. This became such a the the word eagle and being picked up and spun or something became a a, a running, such a running popular thing on the show, that I remember I was in Israel and I was like visiting a kibbutz. And and I and I I was on a tour, and, and and a young woman came down, through it was like out of a movie, like through the crops, and she was beautiful, and I remember, and and she looked at me very curiously, 
and she says, Eagle? (laughs) 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 On a kibbutz. Eagle? That was her way of saying, are you... Are are you are you the guy from Scrubs who says Eagle? Do you want do you want to take a picture Eagle in case you're lying? Yeah. <laughs> do you know Dak Shepherd? <laughs> Zach, I love this so much. I I feel like we've got more than enough goodness. Let's wrap okay. up. March 18th is cheaper by the dozen. Cheaper by the dozen. Oh, I love this chat. Yeah, I, I think you're amazing. I really I really I'm like you as it. a human being and and, and and I hope we get to be real Likewise, friends maybe. one day. Um, and, We're going to do it. We're going to do it. And um, I, I would love to come see you do stand-up when you do it in the L.A. area. Do you do it in the L.A. area? March 11th and March 25th, I'll be at Largo. If you want to come. Do yeah, you, will, you, will you invite me? You have my info. Will you invite me? Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bother you for your address because I want to send you Rupert Spira because that's a mitzvah for me. And I'll okay. also tell you those dates. But also, um, okay, anyway, so March 18th, everybody, um, even though um, this conversation ranged from depressive to, uh, to R-rated, uh, <laughs> it, 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 in all if honesty. you a good no, family in all, cop. In all honesty, uh, I'm not just saying this. I've never done a family comedy really before. Um, it, it it is truly something that your whole you, you, any kid can watch and you will crack up and uh, it's on Disney Plus and uh, please check it out. People are gonna love it and I'm not just saying it. I watched the trailer. I tried to get a copy. It didn't work out, but I did watch the trailer. I thought you were a perfect natural. I'm gonna give you the compliment for me. Like notes of Ritter, John Ritter. You know, oh, I mean? he's my like hero. That's the reason. John Ritter's probably the reason I got in the business. Thank you. I we're the same, man. I I really. I really do think we're sort of like the same dude because yeah. like I, I people say you look like John Ritter, you act like John Ritter. And I'm like, that's the whole thing. That's the whole start for me. Anyway, that's right. a whole other conversation. Um, well, right, and also, check it out. I thought yeah. it was great. Thank Go you. ahead. Um, no, thanks for having me. Um, and, and you're going to tell me um, where to uh, send this uh, file that I made. I am going to do that. And one last question before before you go is, uh, I, I'm sure I asked you about the hardest laugh last time. This time I'll say, what's something everyone loves but you hate or something that everyone hates and you love? Um, I have no interest in football. I'm sorry, America. I just don't understand it. I, I feel so left out. I have... I, I feel so... I want you to know, I feel so left out. That... <laughs> I I I, yes. well, I I feel so left out. I don't get it. I'm not interested. It look it, it's it, people's brains are being destroyed. I just <laughs> I don't get it. And what's the other one? I, is there something you love that everyone hates? Um. Not every well, that's a great question. I've actually never been asked. Is there something I love that everyone hates? I don't I don't know. I don't think so. I was I was gonna say like um What about something that a lot of people don't like that a lot of people don't like musicals and I love musicals. Um There you go. I, I actually um, think that's it. I mean, a, I mean that, that's that's, that's a there's, some, there's plenty of people who love musicals, so it's kind of a weird one. But but there's people who no. abhor musicals, and I and I I thought Tick Tick Boom was the best movie I saw this year. I, I thought Andrew oh, Garfield. I'll watch it today. 
I thought Andrew Garfield should win every trophy there is. The the, the anecdote uh, that I heard was that uh, he had had never sung or played the piano, and Lin-Manuel saw him in a production of uh, Angels in America, and he said, and Lynn said to Andrew, can you sing? And and Andrew said, when are you shooting? And he said, next year. He goes, then yes. <laughs> oh, I love that. But you won't believe the, the, how great that uh, that show is. And it's a true story. And it's you know, blah, blah, blah. He's also great in Tammy Faye, the Tammy Faye movies. I didn't watch that. You should definitely. It's have so you watched great. Search Party? Uh, TV Search show. Search Party. Is that the one with maybe from Arrested Development? Yes, yes. I haven't seen it. Val's seen it, and she loves it. It's really good. I recommend that a lot. I just wanted to say that because we're similar aged, we both grew up in a time when it was cool for men to say they don't dance. I don't dance, mm. uh, and that's a layover. Like we've we've moved past that. It's mm. Like I'm making the announcement now, men. We dance. You dance now. And two. You were cool, praised, and thought awesome if you said you didn't like musicals. That is also over. We now like musicals. I'm saying, as a species, please just fucking stop with these, like, 1993, yeah, I don't like musicals. What, are you going to hang up your hat and be like, I don't know. I, 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 do, I do think there's a style of musical that unless you parents um, uh, introduced you to it, you know, like I I can't wait to go see Hello, uh, excuse me. I can't wait to go see uh, uh, Music Man. Now, now Music Man is, is different than Tick Tock Boom, Tick Tick Boom, Tick Tick Boom's a, a rock and roll musical, and it's a, and it's amazing. Music Man is old school um, musical theater that I was raised upon, so I have such nostalgia for it yeah, with my parents, and and so and so. Um, so I understand why um, someone who who wouldn't like an old school musical like that. But there are there are some beautiful um, beautiful. I mean, Dear Evan Hansen obviously became sort of a, a a a joke because of the movie and 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 uh, and, and the way they, they they handled it. But I saw that play four times. It had such overlap with my childhood. Ben Platt's mm. performance was just incredible. Seeing it live, um, mm. you know. Anyway, there you it's go. It's not for everybody. I just wrote down tick tick boom. All right, man. Tick, I'm going to text amazing. you your address. I'm sending you that book. Okay. Uh, and I, and then um, and then and then will you text me where to send this file that I'm now going to stop recording? Oh wait, you have to say keep it crispy first. Oh, the, what, what? I forgot what that is. That's your. What you talking about, Willis? <laughs> <laughs> you don't say catchphrase. You go. That's your. What you talking about, Willis? <laughs> That's what you say instead of catchphrase. It's how we end. It gives us the sense of closure that the guest says, "Keep it crispy." So you can okay. Do and you've had a lot of famous people on here, and they've all said that. They uh, we've only had Anthony Jeselnik said no, and Chelsea Peretti said no. Everyone else did it. Okay, I will do it. Listen, keep it so fucking crispy. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now hit stop. I'll hit stop too. Thanks, man. Oh, so okay, bye bye. <laughs>